Hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we review the 2014 movie Giraffe Day, starring Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner and Chadwick Boseman. We discuss romance corner in a movie that probably doesn't need a romance. <laughs> I talk about if or if I did not enjoy watching this movie, having no enjoyment for sports ball otherwise. We discuss, is Kevin Costner in this movie a bad GM? And we give a brief tribute to Chadwick Boseman. All this and more on Movies on the Side. This week, we review the 2014 movie Giraffe Day, starring Kevin Costner, and I'm going to say Jennifer Garner and Chadwick Boseman. Mm -hmm. Nate, before we talk about this movie, can we talk about Chadwick Boseman for a second? Yeah, absolutely. Chadwick Boseman recently passed away. If you don't know who the actor is by name, he's the Black Panther in the Marvel movies. Chadwick Boseman. Jackie Robinson in 42. Right. Uh, he was in this movie, Draft Day. He was in a James Brown biopic. Oh, wow. At some point in time, too. But definitely Black Panther, the most yeah. popular role. I just have to say, when celebrities die, there's this weird thing on social media where you know, everyone then says, like, this person changed my life or this person meant the sure. most to me of anybody. And it always feels kind of disingenuine. Like, you didn't know these people. You know, it's because it's just like your friends saying, oh, you know, so-and-so uh, changed my life. So anyway, when I saw people posting about Chadwick Boseman, it totally took me off guard because, one, no one knew, at least I didn't know, that he was sick. Right. And he seemed to maybe keep that under wraps on purpose for a long time. Yeah, I think he yeah it was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, I think. Yeah, dealing yeah, with, that. with that. And so he'd filmed Marvel movies dealing with cancer. And I just have to say, I, I, again, I don't know Chadwick Boseman personally. Don't know really anything about him. But man, really sad that he died as young as he did. Uh, but also pretty incredible that filmed a bunch of these huge movies and you know if you see some of his you know charity work and like visiting hospitals he was visiting children's cancer hospitals while he was himself dealing with it and yeah he just seemed like an extremely gracious guy and it's kind of sad that he's gone now yeah i'm not typically overly saddened by celebrity deaths i mean i i go like oh man this one chadwick boseman passing away hit me harder than most. And I think I think there's also partly because I do feel like his career I was excited for what he was going to do next. Yeah. So from a like a acting perspective, the guy's a great actor and he I felt like, okay, was going to hit a level of leading man status. Yeah. Stealing stealing the scenes in movies for a long time. He seemed like someone that like you know, I think he was in his forties maybe and was coming up even more so, and I was excited to see what was happening next. But yeah, I think partly as a person, from what I I saw behind the scenes for all my Marvel fandom, he seemed great, and just what the role of Black Panther meant to so many people. Yeah, and the yeah. And the, the kind of like hero he was to people. It made watching this movie it hit a little different. Yeah, just because it's like, oh man. I mean, I liked I liked him when I first saw this movie, but there's a different sort of feeling of watching this guy now in this. Yeah, now. So to his family, to those who knew him and affected by it, praying for you. 
So anyway, we just wanted to say that again. I think everybody probably saw that that he died. But anyway, that's one of the reasons why we wanted to do a movie with him in it. And maybe we should do Black Panther in the near future because we've never. I don't think we reviewed that one. Oh, we didn't. Was that right before our time? I th- on movies in the. I side? think it was because one of our earliest episodes was Infinity War. Mm, well, that yeah. was one of our earliest. Was after movies. okay, yeah. Anyway, so let's jump to the movie. So this week we did Draft Day. Rotten Tomatoes on this movie, 59 critic score, 65 audience satisfaction. So kind of mm-hmm. right down the middle of the road. Mm-hmm. I had no reference for this movie when you recommended it. I, I knew what a draft was. Like, I, I know <laughs> a draft. You know what a day was. I knew what a day was. So draft day, meaning the day that sports people join a team. Steven, I need to stop you right here. <laughs> Dear listeners, Uh I'm a huge sports fan. Right. Steven is the opposite of a huge sports fan. That's right. And so I recommended this movie. No, I demanded this movie for this week. (laughs) I said, one, Chadwick Boseman is in it. Yeah. So it feels apropos. Right. It is also about football season. (laughs) That time is maybe coming, which may be a strange NFL season coming up sure but fall uh, autumn is happening the pumpkin spice latte is somehow yep. around on august <laughs> they're available <laughs> the end of august <laughs> so i recommended this movie knowing full well steven cares not two spits to the wind about <laughs> the nfl or draft day because i'm excited to see what does a non-sports fan think about a movie that is so dripping with NFL-isms and, yeah. and like it assumes you're a fan because you're here or maybe you're dating a fan or something? Yeah. How, I wanted to know. This is an experiment. How does it hit Steven Robles? And so that's what I've done to you, guinea pig Robles. Right. As it began, I was like, wow, this smells like a locker room. Like this movie... <laughs> Is this sports, sports, sports? Heisman Trophy finalist, his senior year, 2,159 combined yards, running the ball, catching the ball, 22 touchdowns. I want to talk about some specifics. Like the video transitions that they do, where they do like this weird screen wipe and they'll show a picture of a stadium. Mm-hmm. And it's like Jacksonville, home of the Jaguars. And it's like, <laughs> I could almost hear your dad, Gary Baranowski, like on the announcer radio. And it's like, why do we need to see the stadium? And I guess it's fan service. Maybe I oh, guess. Oh man! Oh, absolutely. It, it it goes to the it goes to the city Cleveland, <laughs> and then you hear like the sports talk radio guy, yes. and the swipe goes through, and then you see the empty the empty arena. It feels like a sports documentary, right? I mean, like think back to like you've seen the Last Dance recently. It, it did feel like a all right, you know, eight. AM, the day of the playoff game, and a guy <laughs> sweeping out the, the concourse of United Center or whatever. Right. Which I have to say, I saw The Last Dance. I would love to talk about that whole series, but it was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed watching it. But anyway, I, so I was a little turned off at first. I was like, I, I guess, well, we'll see. We'll see what it's like. And man, I have to tell you, jumping into the negotiations and the trade <laughs> deals between these different teams was incredibly interesting and engrossing and i loved every minute of it (laughs) hearing them negotiate and you know because for me you know i've heard the term trade you know there's a trade is happening a trade is this Mm -hmm. i guess i didn't realize that a trade in regards to a draft is you're trading your picking spot right so now i have a a sports question for you sure how 
how is it decided what NFL team picks first on draft day? Is it a, like it just rotates through everybody every year, or how does that work? No, it actually is the you pick based on the inverse of your wins loss record. So the worst team picks first. Oh, that's and good. The team that wins the Super Bowl picks last in each round there are seven rounds total and then there are still people that are unsigned undrafted uh, that can still be signed by teams but here's the interesting thing just because a team is picking first doesn't mean they were necessarily the worst team the year before because like we saw in this movie trades happen you know three years ago of like hey we want your first round pick of 2020 yeah and the first round pick could be the number one pick. But it could also be like the 20th something pick. The, the 25th pick, sure. That's so, it was so interesting. I'm not in any way a huge expert when it comes to all this because you have to deal with, when it comes to trading, there's a rookie scale for what they allude to it a little bit about what you get paid right. based on where you get drafted. And there's also salary cap considerations, which is just its own yeah. thing all in of itself that I can't even pretend to understand. Right. But so basically the higher, like the sooner you are picked in the draft, the higher your salary is basically going to be. Right. So being picked earlier is beneficial for the rookie. I'm pretty sure there is a rookie wage scale at the very beginning of a career that basically locks it in to a specific range. All right, listen, uh, most of our listeners probably don't care a thing about sports like me. I'm just assuming that. <laughs> and I'm assuming we have some sports fans that are finally like, yes. And let me just say, I, I, on a whole, in general, the amount of time, energy, effort, and money going into these people throwing around a ball, I think is still inherently ridiculous. But for the sake of this movie, it was a lot of fun to watch it happen and to see like what happens behind the scenes. So I'll just say that. And I would say, just like a similar quote to Little Women from last week, by writing of it and by focusing on it, you actually give importance to it. Mm. Wait, so by doing this episode, are you saying... <laughs> yep, we're elevating the NFL. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, anyway, I just want to say all the negotiations were super fun. I thought Kevin Cosner, he was a lot of fun to see on the phone. And I loved all the like the phone scenes where you kind of see both of them yes. on the screen at the same time. And they did this weird thing where like Kevin Costner will walk out of his side of the frame into the other person's office. That was interesting. Let's talk about that because at the very beginning, I got late 90s vibes from the transitionary wipes across with the black lines. But the more they held on to that um, device the more I kind of liked it because maybe this was distracting. Maybe this is not what they wanted me to think about, but I constantly looked at kind of the rotoscoped shoulder when Kevin Costner's on the phone with someone and, but his like body kind of passes over yes. the middle divider line. <laughs> yeah. And then as he walks off, he walks like he wipes across the screen. There was a lot of that fun transition stuff that maybe looked like someone who was making a movie got a little bored in the editing room. It's like, let's spice this up. But I kind of liked it. I'll be honest. Your seventh pick gives you one. A running back with a rap sheet. You don't know who I'm picking seven, Tom. I'm not going to sell the farm for one guy. I liked it too, and they stayed consistent. Like, they stayed that with happened. It. Right. Yeah, they st they committed to it. They stayed the whole time. Uh, so I was down with it. And, you know, I I've seen football's games mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have the little, like – the player avatar like comes up in a lower third and it's like moving, yeah. you know, and they, you know, it's a, it's a football thing. Anyway. Now, thankfully for you, there is not a ton of actual football 
in this in this movie. They no. they watch film every once in a while of a couple plays, but thankfully you don't have to sit through half a game. No, but I will say I do. I, it is interesting to me when someone is explaining what to watch for and what's happening while I'm watching a scene of football. Because mm-hmm. like there's a scene where Kevin Costner tells the guys to like, let's look at the play, look at the sack, and then look at what the next play. Bo Callahan does the very next play. Yep. And like that's interesting, and you know that's part of the movie. What I do think, and I just want to say before I forget, what I do think this movie does a great job of is surfacing how big of a deal this day is in people's real lives. Right. You know, we, we see Chadwick Boseman, who like calls Kevin Costner at the beginning of the movie. He was like, hey, man, can't wait to join your team in your first pick, yada, yada. And like he has his two nephews in the car, and he's talking about he's got to help his family with money. Like, that's a real-life deal. Right. Watch the mock drafts. I know who take it who, and I can't afford to fall that far. Can't take no late teens paycheck. Vontae, he's a seven-pick paycheck. I love seeing uh, Smallville in this movie. Tom Welling. (laughs) 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 I love seeing it. Like, he was great in the little role he did, but he's like, you know, if you pick this new quarterback, you're going to have to use him all the time, and then I'm going to be on the bench. And, like, he's basically saying, if you're going to do that, at least trade me. Like, you know, do something with me. And, like, we're seeing what happens to the real lives of these real people if, you know, Decisions are made, and so I, that made it interesting and engrossing, and I, and I enjoyed that. Let me tell you a couple things, just kind of give you some um, baseline knowledge here. That this is uh, directed by Ivan, who now I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Reitman, huh. Reitman, I think it's Reitman. Reitman. Ivan Reitman, who is known as he did Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters One, mm. Ghostbusters Two. Okay, he has been a director for a long time, produced a ton of movies. Kindergarten Cop, Dave, like a lot of like early 90s, late 80s movies, Stripes, Meatballs, all these sort of things. <laughs> okay. And in his interview, I, I wondered, like, why did he do this movie? I mean, he usually does comedy movies like the, the Jim Belushi kind of Dan Aykroyd type. Apparently, he just liked watching football and liked, apparently had a relationship with Kevin Costner and was like, you know what? I read the script. I thought of Kevin Costner and I called him up and I said, let's do this thing together. They have to get approval from the NFL to use NFL team logos. So if you've ever seen a sports movie where it's like, this is the the Dallas Outlaws instead of the Dallas Cowboys. (laughs) It's because they didn't get rights. Exactly. Because the NFL is like, listen, we're not going to put you in here. We're not going to put our name on something that's like a jokey, jokey sort of thing. Right. So Ivan didn't want to do this movie unless he could get the NFL's approval. And boy, howdy. This movie is as close to an NFL, I don't say commercial sounds crass, but it, I mean, it's basically like a promotional material yeah. enveloped in a Kevin Costner burrito. But I will have to say, as someone who doesn't know much about sports, this genuinely made me interested in like the draft. Because I know you you had like texted, I think Jacob and I, like a long time ago, and you were like, it's draft day. <laughs> and we were like, what does that even mean? Who even cares? Like... I thought the playing the game was the big deal. Why is this a big deal about who goes to what team? And after seeing this movie, I was like, okay, I get it. Like, this is a big deal. It, it is. And it's super exciting for the fan base because they allude to it in this movie. But as a fan of a team, you're looking for 
your future, your future stars. You're, you know, you've, yeah. I don't really watch college football that much, but it's the idea of like, man, could the Bears draft someone who is just like <laughs> franchise changing? Yeah. And you see in this movie, if they don't draft who you think they should, it is the ultimate misery. Yeah. It is a, a hole of sadness. All right. So let's rate it now so we can talk about all the specifics. And I want to rate it. I, I knew immediately what item it needed to be on a scale of zero to five. Brass knuckle iPhone cases. Yes. Yes. This is Chadwick Boseman's iPhone case, which I have never seen anything like it, but it is hilarious. It is amazing. It's a brass knuckle phone case. And it, yeah. So anyway, on a scale of one to five. I'll go first. Draft Day is a movie that I saw on a plane the very first time. Uh-huh. I cried like a baby <laughs> during one of the scenes, which I halfway attribute to the oxygen and the people cry more on planes. It's just fact. Are you going to tell us the scene after this? Uh, yeah. Okay. Very good. I ve- so then I watched it. I took that movie on that plane and I restarted it. I legitimately double watched Draft Day on a plane. I then rented the movie for this podcast and watched it again. And I can say this movie in a lot of ways is bonkers. In some ways is mediocre at best. But whatever it does to my heart when it comes to Kevin Coster and the negotiation scenes and Chadwick Boseman and this whole like tension of the draft is so enjoyable to me that I dare say this is somehow a really good movie and i'm going to give it four brass knuckle iphone cases <laughs> as far as rewatchability i don't know what it is inside of me i watched it and i thought to myself okay i don't want to rewatch it right now but i have 48 hours as i'm renting this could i sneak in another viewing just for kicks and i wouldn't even i would skip past the first 30 minutes right and just watch it from there yeah but steven i I had to tell you to watch this movie because I unreasonably love it. I really think it's good. I I care about the characters. I care about the people being drafted. I root against Bo Callahan every time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> four out of five. That does not surprise me, and I don't think it's totally wrong. Biased opinion, though. Like I can say legitimately, like this is not you know world class movie making. No, but. The negotiation scenes are really good, and like the the pace of the movie is surprisingly quick once you get like past the first twenty minutes or whatever. Right. So, I, yeah, I find it I find it interesting. Anyway, I give this movie three and a half brass knuckle phone cases mm-hmm. because it, it it was it was really I enjoyed it. I enjoyed watching it. If I was on a plane and this was one of the movie choices, I would I might watch it again. Like seeing Kevin Costner do these negotiations are it's really fun. Yes. But one thing we have to talk about after the spoiler horn is Romance Corner, because that's the thing that... (laughs) That'll be the very first thing. Let's go. Falls a little flat. Here's the spoiler horn. Jennifer Garner. (laughs) I I wrote down two notes. The first note is, I do not believe Jennifer Garner loves Kevin Costner. Correct. And then my other note is, I don't believe Jennifer Garner in a single scene. (laughs) Those Hmm. are my notes. Okay. Because I like Jennifer Garner... As an actress, mm-hmm. but I feel like she is. I, I imagine it was the direction she was given, but she seems so like 
oogly eyes towards Kevin Costner throughout the whole movie that I don't believe it. Correct. For how much of a jerk he seems to be <laughs> and like how successful she seems to be. She seems to be very smart and like great at her job. I'm like, she doesn't need this guy. I don't believe that she would get together with him in the first place, let alone keep going after him. Whatever it is that you and I have, you've been very clear that it wasn't. Wait, what are you talking about clear? I haven't been clear about anything. Maybe that's the problem. Their chemistry is is kind of non-existent. And there are a couple ways to go with this. First off, you see them at the beginning. I forgot that they were romantic interests when I watched it this next time. And I thought to myself, is that his daughter? Is, it, is his daughter like dad? <laughs> yeah. That's another note I have is age gap. Apparently, it won some award for the most egregious age gap between them. I'm, I think it's like 17, 18 years or something like that. Which, I mean, I think the age gap actually serves the story somewhat because from the outside it does look like oh this is the powerful gm guy is sleeping with the the younger woman on staff where they could have landed the plane is if they had this amazing chemistry that's like you know what regardless of age we bond over football right and i thought their chemistry was going to be we both love football let me tell you something i'm not sure i believe that jennifer garner's character Allie is really good at the cap and i believe that she knows a lot of football and i'm okay with her not even showing that much passion in it because i'm guessing if you're the capologist you're like the accountant of the team (laughs) so you're all about numbers and and stats and sort of thing which is cool yeah i'm not sure if i believe that kevin costner likes football in this movie (laughs) and so i think to myself and i go I don't understand why you guys, what bonds you together? Yeah. Because let me tell you what it's not. (laughs) Physical romantic connection. No. I know she's pregnant and I know that she's going to have your baby, but I still don't understand how. Yeah. I just didn't buy any of it. And it was a little awkward at times. That's all. At the very end, they hold hands and then they kiss. And I tell you what, Stephen, did not... (laughs) It did not land for me at all. In fact, it kind of, it re- I recoiled a little bit like, what? Oh, you right. You guys are together. Yeah. I think the whole situation with the baby and him being like their closet conversations about how like he doesn't, he's not excited to be a dad, but he should be a better dad or whatever. Future dad. I think that could have all been cut out of the movie. Yeah. I agree. I don't. I don't think we need it. I mean, we had enough emotional stuff, like with his dad apparently recently dying, like and him firing his own dad. Could I hear more about the fact that his mom wanted him to fire his dad because coaching was bad for his health? Like that's super interesting. So I do want to say there was an Into the Woods musical reference, and so <laughs> this was Kevin Costner's mom in the movie after he makes the crazy deal. For the first round pick to get Bo Callahan, he gives away the next three years of first round picks. Oh, yeah. And his mom says, Hi, Mom. You sold a cow for magic beans. What? And that is 100% an Into the Woods reference. Because in the musical, the baker sells a cow for magic beans. And I just love that they threw that in there kind of on the sly. Couldn't it also just be a Jack and the Beanstalk reference Mm. that Into the Woods makes? (sighs) Yeah, you're probably right. (laughs) Probably right. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Ralph 
So I love there was this character, his name was Ralph, and he was kind of like doing all the digging on Bo Callahan about like yes. his teammates didn't go to his birthday party and all this. And like I love that character and how whenever he was telling Kevin Costner something, he was like, You want to know what happened? Yes. Kevin Costner's like, I don't have time for this. Just tell me. He was like, Guess what? He likes it dramatic. Yeah. Yes. That was hilarious. Is Ralph part of the scouting team? He was never in the same room as the other scouts. So I wasn't quite sure. He was just like the investigator. He had like a closet office, like basically there was a broom closet and they made it yes. into an office for him, but he was basically just there to like dig up dirt on other players. So let me tell you something that is very different between reality and this movie. If you were going to trade up for the number one pick, I guarantee that you have done all the digging on everyone who could possibly fall in the first round. Mm. Like the fact that uh, like they were like, hey, I traded up for the first pick. Let's figure out some things about Bo Callahan. Let's like, it's like, no, you've already done all this digging before. This is not happening on draft day. Like there is no way. Uh, also, when it comes to the GMs and drafting, there is a draft board. You have ranked everyone. You have, have them ranked by position. You have like, there is months and months of work as a scout to do your due diligence on every, mm. every person. You are so invasive into these, into these guys' lives. There is no way that you would deviate from that board, disrespect every single scout who's worked for literally six months or more scouting these guys to basically be like, hey, uh, so who do we, who do I want? I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to tell you guys that I want, I'm going to draft Vontae Mack is like, you would be summarily fired immediately. Like, why have a scouting department if you're just like, I like this kid. <laughs> and like, he makes that call in his office privately, which, and I didn't realize, like, I thought they all had to go to Radio City Music Hall or wherever it was happening to, like, do this thing. And they're all just, like, sitting no, in their office. No, no. They have war rooms. They're called war uh, rooms. Well, that, that made it interesting, too, because then he can call, like, when he calls the Jacksonville Jaguars coach, yes. who's, like, frantic. That was hilarious. So good. <laughs> I love that scene. And when he calls back the Seattle Seahawks coach, that, that whole, like, 10 to 15 minutes of Kevin Costner, like, calling these guys and making the deals. And he's like, I want all my picks back. You know, he tells the Seattle Seahawks coach that. It's right. great. I love that scene. Everyone thinks there's something wrong with a kid, but you don't. All right? You've done your due diligence. You're about to pull off the move of the century, but you need my pick to do it. So make me an offer. Let me, let me tell you something here. And this is what I don't understand. Kevin Costner as a GM gets so very, very lucky. And he, he says it. Like, it's like, oh, maybe I am not good at this job. Yeah, he trades away all his picks. And then he drafts Vontae Mack with the first pick. Which, by the way, I think that was the scene where I cried. Avante Mack being surrounded by his family, drafted yes. first. And his look on yes. his face of just sheer shock. I loved that moment. Yes, that was And surprise. Yes. yes, absolutely. And I think maybe also there's a time where we find out that, like, the reason why he's with his nephews because his sister died, right? Um, and he had given her the ball at that and that whole sort of thing, right? So it means, yeah, it means a little extra something to him. But here's what happens: he drafts Vontae Mack with the number one overall pick, where he could have had Vontae Mack at seven, right? At this point in time, it is sheer, sheer luck that Bo Callahan falls, right? All the way down to where he can negotiate it back again, right? And here's the thing: the fact that I don't know why the Seattle GM didn't call him on the fact of like, listen, if you really wanted Bo Callahan, you would have drafted him first. Right. So no, I'm not going to trade up one pick 
and trade away all these first like first round picks are gold. So I don't know if you're the Seattle guy, why you would be like if you truly didn't were like at the beginning of the movie, the Seattle GM says, I will trade away the number one pick. Therefore, trade away Bo Callahan and get all these number one picks, which is a great deal. Right. Because apparently they have a quarterback they already like. And then the fact that he would trade them all back to get Bo Callahan just because some fans were angry with him for yeah. trading away the first round pick seems so strange and so lucky for Kevin Costner. for him to get those picks back. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't. That seemed a little convenient and maybe unbelievable, but it didn't matter because it, it served the moment. Well, and also all it takes is that Jacksonville GM to be like, no, we'll take Bo Callahan. Right. He fell to us. We'll just take him. Right. And the fact that, that Jacksonville didn't do their due diligence and weren't like, if you are comfortable taking a guy, are you really going to take a call from another GM who says like, I don't know, we think he's going to be a bust and then be like, oh, okay, I guess we won't take him. You better trust your scouting department enough to be like, not take the word of an enemy GM. <laughs> but that whole like Jacksonville Jaguars team, like the whole scouting team, like they were just wide eyed and like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, because we didn't really do our job. So thanks for yeah, it's like, it's figuring like that out for us. People weren't prepared for draft day in this movie, which again adds for more, adds more drama. Right. But does not seem, it's probably a real knock on if you were a scout that watched this movie, like, wait a minute. This is, things would not surprise us like this. I want my number ones back, all of them. That's crazy. Why would I give them back? Can we talk about little bits of people that are in this movie for like three seconds? Such <laughs> as Diddy is just here as an agent. He's, like he's he said before. There. He's in there for a couple he's, scenes. He's though. in more. He's, he's got yeah. to go outside and talk Bo Callahan into going back in there good scene yes sam elliott is in this movie for mm, 25 seconds as, as like bo Callahan's college coach yeah yes. yes which that was a good that was a great scene it was tom welling from smallville obviously great yeah kevin dunn was in it as like just kind of a, a browns coordinator right we didn't talk about the owner frank langella yes Anthony Molina, yeah. So good. Kept his yeah, glasses on so the good. whole time. Perfect <laughs> yes, as an owner. Yes. He, he says he says the line, something about like the splash zone in a water park, and he's like, yes. fans pay to get wet. People pay to get wet. Also, so Terry Crews is in this movie. Yes, I loved him. He's I kind of randomly in there. Yes. Yeah. And Arian Foster plays Ray Jennings. His son is actually a uh, running back. In the league, like oh, nice. Actually, uh, actually, a player, and also Dennis Leary as the coach. Oh, I didn't even talk about Dennis Leary. Dennis Leary is great. The Dennis Leary v Kevin Costner is the yes. best back and forth relationship in this whole movie. Yes, and that tension, conflict then resolution. Yes, and the resolution it's a super big payoff. Like I love seeing them actually like shake hands and they're like, yeah, I can coach this team. That was great. I wrote on a piece of paper here that i ripped off <laughs> kind of like kevin costner writes down draft vontae mac no matter what right i wrote down get john papsidera on podcast john papsidera is the casting director for this movie for basically every christopher nolan movie Ooh. for a ton of movies he's a casting director and i'm going to this is my vision board <laughs> 
<laughs> I am. I wrote this down. Get John Papsadera on this podcast because I tell you what, some casting work yes. was done in this movie because I loved these side characters. Yes, I did too. They they all added yeah great stuff and just oh the intern was his name Ryan Rick <laughs> he oh, I was Rick yeah he was a little unnecessary at times but. Also kind of funny, like, as unbelievable as it was, I kind of bought the moment where Kevin Cosner, like, apologizes for breaking his laptop. Yes. <laughs> like, I believe that little moment. It was fun. Can I say, just to, to weigh out some of our positives of this movie, I think it sometimes, I think sometimes Kevin Costner sleepwalks through this movie. Yeah, sometimes, yeah. When he is not negotiating, especially when he's dealing with Allie and kind of talking with his mom. I'm not sure. He didn't seem to be giving it his complete A game, which I think is fine, but I'm, that's just a little knock against it. Yeah, I, I agree, especially towards the beginning, like you said. like He really comes alive in those end negotiation scenes, and it's missing some of that. And I think the romance corner that we talked about that wasn't great detracts from his focus, you know, because I, I think he's supposed to try and be conflicted the whole time. Like trying to talk to Allie and work that out, but also trying to save his career and also trying to do the thing he wants to do with the team. So I get he's supposed to be conflicted, but he did feel absent sometimes. And yeah, maybe it was just too much to try and, I don't know, portray in a <laughs> couple scenes. Yeah, that could be. Also, the owner, at some point in time, I didn't understand this. He is in New York City. Kevin Costner's in Cleveland, which Kevin Costner not being in the war room at the beginning of the draft is unforgivable. I mean, I would fire him right then and there. It has, as all the scouts look around, like, where's our boss? Where's the guy whose whole job is based basically on today? He's not here. Right. An another reason why Kevin Costner should be fired in this movie. <laughs> the owner leaves Radio City Music Hall in New York right. after the first pick, takes, gets in a flight and shows up in cleveland before like the seventh pick or the sixth pick yeah he does i'm pretty sure each one of these rounds is like 10 minutes yeah that's the clock it, how's that new york to cleveland flight treating you uh, that private jet maybe he's Did got he a concord x-wing vet a jet it <laughs> he's got a concord you know he's one he's the owner so i mean like that's like 30 minutes door to door he was able to get to cleveland yeah that was hilarious. Two last quick notes for me. At the Browns like party, there's a super Papa John's plug. There's like an entire table of like Papa John's pizza. <laughs> and I was like, how much did Papa John's pay to get on that table? But Oh, I think I think Papa John's at that point in time was the official pizza of the NFL. It's probably like, listen, if it's an yeah. NFL movie, we gotta have Papa John's. That's true. You know, the ending was satisfying after all the negotiations, and then we see the team together, like at the beginning of the season. You see Vontae Mack in there putting on his helmet, and I was like, I yes. want to be a Cleveland Browns fan. Right, exactly. And I also want a sequel where we see this team play together. Mm. Like, I, I want to remember the Titans-esque movie, seeing these people. You wanted to see a little bit of some gameplay. Yeah, I wanted to see, like, fast forward to the conference championship or something and, and you know, see some final couple plays there. I don't know. I just thought that would have been fun to see, too, after working so hard to get these guys together. Can I tell you a little, just because I'm a sports fan, can I tell you a little bit of something interesting? Sure. Go ahead. 
So this movie was released April of 2014, right? Yes. The Browns yes. had the 22nd overall pick in the 2014 NFL draft. With that pick, they drafted Johnny Manziel, okay. a quarterback out of Texas A&M. Uh-huh. Johnny Manziel had a bit of a checkered past while there. He was kind of known as a bit of a partier, got in a couple bar fights, was like won the Heisman Trophy, was amazing, hmm. but dropped down, I think dropped down to 22 because of some of his off-field stuff, right? Okay. So he was drafted by the Browns. So basically, they kind of Bo callahan him, right? <laughs> okay, all right. They got the sort of the iffy character guy. He was fined by the NFL during that season for flipping the bird off after one of the one of his touchdowns. He was kind of off and on. He had a kind of a rough season. He was then cut by the Browns in 2016 due to off-field stuff. Some rumors about him in Vegas and all this stuff. He then went to the Arena Football League, did sort of poorly, but has since had, you know, like basically a substance abuse problem and has some issues. So, what the Browns did after this movie is they drafted a quarterback with a lot of off-field sort of stuff going on and very much regretted it. This is hmm. the the year that this movie came out. They did not necessarily take the high character guy. Interesting. Like they did not take the Vontae Mack. Oh, wow. I also saw that they have not won a Super Bowl <laughs> since this movie came out either. Oh, Oh, Steven, hold on. Uh, okay. The Browns are bad. Right. The Browns, right, right. I think they said in the movie, have had two winning seasons since they uh, came back to Cleveland after the, as, a, as a new expansion team in 99. Now, in recent years, in the last couple of years, they have been decent. Decent. Okay. Decent. Okay. okay. But not like out of this world. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. I have not <laughs> been alive to see the Chicago Bears win a Super Bowl. Ah, so, uh, the Bears. Life stuff. Okay. Steven, why do I love this movie so much? I mean, I get it. It was fun to watch. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I give you that. The uh, but the the romance stuff's so bad. No, it's terrible. It's terrible. But that's not the point of the movie. Like that's not why yeah, you watch right. it. You're right. You know, there so. are there are parts in this movie that I just for example, Dennis Leary coming in with the playbook on fire. Yeah, that was hilarious. So good. <laughs> and then the intern yelling, There's a fire. <laughs> That was that was really good, and then like him, Kevin, a lot of fun stuff. Kevin Costner arguing with his mom about the dad's ashes, and she's like, "Do this now." And he's like, "I'm not doing on it. draft day." Right. Yes. Oh man, she's good. Yeah, it was good. One more thing: the strength coach, always butt slapping, <laughs> always shoulder slapping. I loved him. Yeah, I liked him too. When he's telling Kevin Costner, "Like, man, you won't believe what he lifted. It was like 250." <laughs> 25 times. I was like, oh, wow. This guy's this guy's excited about his job there. I, you know what? I watched that scene and I thought, man, it's really cool to see someone who's very passionate about their job as the weightlifting coach. Yeah. Absolutely. I really saw that and I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I was I was down for it. He was good. I'm just saying, called shot, John Papsadera. We're coming for you. <laughs> Great casting. Yes. Let us know what you thought, listeners. If you're a sports fan or not a sports ball fan, let us know what you thought. Comment on our Instagram post when it goes up. You can follow us there at Movies on the Side and on Twitter at Movies on the Side as well. We also have a Facebook page, 
movies on the side. That's right. And if you haven't yet, we'd appreciate a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts to help us move up the ranks and get discovered by more people. And we have bonus episodes every week. If you didn't know, you can go to patreon.com slash movies on the side, support the show with any amount, and you get access to those weekly bonus episodes. This week, we talked about the joys of freelancing and scope creep. Anyway, you can listen to the bonus episode to hear about that. And like we always say, no one can stop a ticking clock, but the great ones, the great ones always find a way to slow it down. That was such a weird line, but I kind of liked it. I did too. And then she said, so slow it down. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, okay. What does right. that mean? I don't know, but I liked it. <laughs> I don't know.